When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that brings you live updates and analysis of conference tournament action. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Now, it was conference championship week around the country, so three teams had a really great weekend. Let's talk about those teams. First off is Auburn. The Tigers entered the SEC tournament as the number one seed with a perfect 6-0 record. They faced off against familiar foe and number four seed South Carolina. Now, you'll recall from the preseason look ahead way back in the fall that I referred to South Carolina as Diet Auburn, and that's because the Gamecock squad has a good distribution of talent among the four events. They are just not as deep as Auburn is, and you can see that in the way that these meets tend to go. In the previous meeting between these two teams, Auburn has struggled to get points in equitation on the flat and in reigning, but they tend to clean up in equitation over fences and horsemanship. So when we saw the lineups for Friday's semifinal, I could tell things that were were probably going to go about the same way. And they did. First off, on the flat. I figured Auburn would take two points for sure here, uh, probably lose one point for sure, and then have two toss-up points in the event. Well, the event ended up tied 2-2 with South Carolina getting their favored point and they got one upset point. Then Auburn took the favored Taylor St. Jacques point and took one of the toss-up points. Uh, The last point was a uh, toss-up, and it ended up in a no-point tie. Now, in reigning, it was also going on at the same time. I had Auburn favored 4-1 to here, but the Gamecocks really overperformed expectations. They took two points in which Auburn was favored, and they ended up getting a uh, 3-2 to advantage there. Now, that meant at the half, South Carolina was actually winning 5-4. to But, as I told folks in the video updates, don't worry. These are South Carolina's two best events, and Auburn will come back in fences and horsemanship. And they did. Now, in fences, I had all five matchups favoring Auburn. And sure enough, all five went to Auburn. That catapulted Auburn from a 4-5 deficit into a 9-5 lead, and they only needed one more point in horsemanship to win the whole day. So, for the horsemanship lineup, I looked at that and I figured, you know what? Auburn is going to be favored in four of these matchups, and then one of them is going to be a toss-up. Well, the Gamecocks got one upset in the event, but Auburn won the remaining three favored matchups and took that toss-up point. So, that meant that the final score would end up being 13-6 in favor of Auburn. So, Auburn advances. Now, over in the other semifinal, Georgia was riding against Texas A&M. Now, the Bulldogs have swept the Aggies in the regular season, and each of those was only a single point, so this figured to be another close meet for them. A&M won the flat 3-2, and then Georgia won reigning 3-2, so they were tied 5-5 at the half. So again, pretty close. Then in the second half, 
Georgia won fences 3-2, and A&M won horsemanship 3-2. So, the meet ended up tied 10-10, but you can't have a tie, especially in a tournament. So, we had another one of those math formula tiebreakers in which Georgia won with some number that was a good bit bigger than uh, Texas A&M's number. The win sent the Bulldogs through into the finals against Auburn and left the Aggies to ride in the consolation meet against South Carolina. Now, in that consolation meet, Texas A&M would go on to beat South Carolina 11-9. Now, that result does not matter too much uh, among these conference teams, but nationally, South Carolina really needed one more win on their resume to help get them invited to the national championship tournament. Right now, they are really on the bubble and competing with Baylor and UC Davis for that final spot in in the eight-team tournament. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So after the consolation meet had ended, that set the stage for number one Auburn versus uh, number two seed Georgia for the SEC championship. Now, the order of events was going to be reversed from the previous day with horsemanship and fences up first. Now, you'll recall how those two events went heavily to Auburn in the semifinal, but Georgia matches up with Auburn differently than South Carolina does now. Now, when I looked at those lineups, I saw that uh, in horsemanship, I favored Auburn in three of those matchups. One of the others was a toss-up, and then one I had Georgia favored. Now, the event ended up 3-2 to two for Auburn, but how it got there was very strange. The biggest strange part was the uh, Olivia Tordoff ride. Uh, originally, she had a winning score on the board, but then a review reduced her score enough that she lost that point. And this was actually her first loss this year, in fact, since November 8th of 2019. So that was unexpected, to say the least. Deanna Green also had her score reduced, but she still had enough points uh, to win her uh, point in the matchup, uh, like I had expected. And then Auburn took the remaining favored point that I had for them, plus a toss-up point. So Georgia got their favored, and then they got that one from Olivia Tordoff, and that meant that Auburn would win horsemanship 3-2. to two. So a victory, but not a huge one. Now in fences, I had Auburn favored in two matchups, Georgia in one, and then I had two toss-up matches on the board there. So uh, what really happened was that uh, Auburn won those two that they were favored in, Georgia won the uh, one that they were favored in, but then Auburn took those two toss-ups. So that meant that Auburn got a 4-1 to one lead in that event, and that gave them a 7-3 to three lead at the half. Now, we kind of wanted that lead to be a little bit bigger, just to feel more comfortable, but I was telling people, look, even though this win wasn't as big as um, as what we wanted, Considering, you know, how we match up uh, with uh, Georgia versus South Carolina, really, this is there's no need to worry. And I was telling people that in the video updates that uh, Auburn has some good matchups coming, and boy, did they. Over in uh, Equitation on the Flat, uh, when I looked at those, I had Georgia favored in one matchup and Auburn favored in the other four. And when I looked at Reigning, I had uh, Auburn uh, favored four times with one toss-up. So once we got going uh, in the second half, we got some good scores on the board, and then it started raining, and then it started lightning. Now at that point, Auburn had actually amassed uh, enough points, and they were at 10. Uh, And there was one ride in review that they hadn't released a score on yet. So basically, they sent everybody uh, back into the barns and sent all the people to their cars and said, it's going to be 30 minutes before we can resume. 
Well, they gave Auburn the 11th and winning point. I think it was on an Emma Kurtz ride uh, on the flat while we were all sitting in our cars. So we found out, you know, through Twitter and whatnot that Auburn had gotten the 11th point. Uh, so then the lightning was gone and it was still raining. Raining points in raining, that is. Ha ha, that was a joke. Y'all should laugh. Because uh, Auburn took all five points in reigning and then finished the uh, meet with the Dern 15-5 to victory and ended up taking their third SEC championship. Woo! It was a little anticlimactic, you know, with the lightning stopping everything. It gave a, lot, a few of the Georgia people a chance to clear out, uh, you know, and, and save themselves some embarrassment. Um, but yeah, you know, the Auburn people sure hung around and had a great time. Uh, after everything, you know, all the hooping and hollering, all the dancing, and yeah, there was dancing, both the players and then the coaches. Well, the coaches kind of backed away. See me, they disappeared when the dancing started. That's really odd. Anyway, the parents didn't disappear, boy. The parents were grabbing people. They grabbed me. They had this big circle and they made everybody dance. It was crazy. It was great. It was fun. Uh, so yeah, all that went on. They, they gave away trophies. We got the biggest one and then we got a bunch of the smaller ones. Some of the other riders from the other teams got some too. Uh, one girl from South Carolina, I think jumped off the bus and got hers and then got back on the bus. So that was cool. Um, and I actually had a chance to pull, uh, Greg Williams away from some of the excitement and ask him a couple of questions there after the win. And here's what he had to say. So, got another SEC championship. What does this one mean to the team and to the program? Well, I mean, it means a lot because last year, you know, having everything cut short and then it being such an odd year, the rules they've had to follow, the some of the restrictions they've been through, this group has gotten really tight, and uh, it's an unbelievably close team. So, uh, we already knew they were talented, but just how tight they got this year has been really, really fun to see. And, uh, I, I, you know... They're just an amazing group. It didn't matter whether it's an equestrian team, any kind of team, some kind of business. They're an amazing group. So how long will you celebrate this before you turn your attention to Waco? Um, we're giving them Monday off. So they'll get, we'll have patterns sent to them. So they'll really be learning that kind of stuff on their own. And uh, all the, everything starts in uh, hard on Tuesday. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations, Coach. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. War Eagle. War Eagle. So the talented Auburn program was able to channel the unique circumstances of quarantines and other COVID restrictions into becoming a productive, tightly knit group that just went out and won another SEC championship. Uh, But that is the first trophy Auburn hopes to lift this postseason. The other is for the national championship. And it sounds like the preparations for the mid-April tournament have already begun. So, just how significant is three SEC championships in a row? Well, in the eight years since the conference has had a tournament, because remember, we didn't have a tournament until Texas A&M joined the conference, and then we started the uh, four-team tournament. This is actually the first time anybody has had a three-peat championship. So, that is yet another record that Auburn Equestrian has set. And, speaking of records, Auburn's historic streak is now at 42 consecutive wins and over 1,076 straight days. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. 
Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest, every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. So we mentioned that there were other conference tournaments going on, so let's jump on over to the Eastern College Athletic Conference Tournament. UT Martin hosted this five-team tournament made up of, in order of seeds from top to bottom, SMU, South Dakota State, UT Martin, Delaware State, and UC Davis. You know, it's weird, but I think only one of those is in an eastern state, but oh well, conference realignment, y'all. So, uh, this tournament started off on Thursday with the number four versus number five seed quarterfinal. Number five seed UC Davis had only ridden against Fresno State this year, so they didn't have any conference meets with which to seed themselves. But the lack of information kind of proved just as prophetic as if they had ridden conference meets all year, which is to say... The Aggies fell behind early to Delaware State. They did end up tying it back up 4-4 four four at the half, but then the Hornets took a lead that they would not let go of and ended up winning 9-7 uh, to seven, uh, in this 4-on-4 four four, uh, uh, format for the quarterfinal. This was really a disappointing finish to UC Davis' season. Um, they previously upset Fresno State two weeks ago, and they got into the Auburn Elvis rankings. But this loss is going to bump them out of the Auburn Elvis rankings and almost certainly keep them out of the eight-team national championship tournament. So this is pretty much the end of their season. They will not uh, do anything else. So sorry, Aggies. Yeah, it's been kind of weird for them. They they couldn't really do uh, any road trips other than going to nearby Fresno State. So that was the only team they rode against until this quarterfinal that they lost. So there you go. But that brings us to the next meet in their tournament, which is a um, semifinal where Delaware State has advanced to play the number one seed SMU in their semifinal. This meet was a lot closer than I think most people expected. Now, the four-on-four format helped the Hornets negate some of SMU's depth. Again, in this tournament, just to conserve on the horses, they only rode four riders versus four riders instead of five-on-five. Both teams took two fences points, and Delaware State actually won the flat two to nothing. Had a couple of ties in that. But SMU completely dominated in the Western events, winning horsemanship four to nothing and reigning three to one. So that gave them the nine to five victory overall. So big win there for SMU. In the other semifinal, host UT Martin rode against South Dakota State. The Skyhawks dominated the Jackrabbits from start to finish here. UT Martin won every event four to nothing except for fences, in which each team took two points. So that was the bright spot for South Dakota State. So those results ended up setting up the stage for the ECAC championship on Saturday. And this one was pretty much all SMU. Uh, the Mustangs took fences three to nothing, then they took the flat three to one, they swept horsemanship four to nothing, and then they lost reigning one to three. So 
Interestingly, you know, raining has been an area that SMU has lost points in all season. So it would be really sweet if, you know, they would end up on Auburn's side of the national championship bracket. But we'll talk about that later. Now, let's move on to the Big 12 equestrian tournament. Semifinal number one had a tournament host and number four seed Baylor going up against number one seed Oklahoma State. Now, I figured this would be a closer meet than the previous one, and it was. But Oklahoma State did still fare the best overall. They won fences and flat 3-2 to two each. Then they lost reigning 2-3. to three, But they took horsemanship 4-1. to one. So that ended up putting everything at a 12-8 um, to eight win for the Cowgirls, and it sent them into the finals. The contest to determine their opponent would be far less dramatic as number two seed Fresno State squared off against number three seed TCU. Now, longtime listeners will recall that I have not been high on the Bulldogs this season. Well, in preparation for the conference preview article that I wrote, I noticed that all of Fresno State's conference meets were in the four-on-four format, not the five-on-five format. This meant that when they reached the conference tournament, which is five-on-five, that their lack of depth would probably be exposed. And it was. And then some. TCU swept fences five to nothing, took the flat three to two, and this actually would be the high point of Fresno State's day, losing only two to three. And then TCU won horsemanship four to one, and then won reigning three to one. So that all adds up to a 15 to four butt kicking. So yeah, TCU won that one convincingly. Now, Fresno State lost a lot of talent from last season, and really the only reason that they didn't lose every conference meet this year was that they didn't have to ride five riders on five riders at any of those conference meets. So that really made them seem better than they actually were when you look at a a typical starting lineup of five riders. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that more later, too. Let's now talk about Saturday's consolation meet. So in this one... One win Baylor would be facing off against now shaky Fresno State. And in this one, Fresno State did not win a single event. Baylor won fences 4-1. to one. They won the flat 3-2. to two. They won horsemanship 3-2. to two. And they won reigning 3-2. to two. So the overall score here was a 13-7 to seven Baylor victory. So now on to the Big 12 Championship. In this, we have number one seed Oklahoma State going up against number three seed TCU. Now, TCU was the only team to beat the Cowgirls this season. And in my conference tournament preview article, I felt TCU would do it again. So this is what happened. In fences, Oklahoma State jumped out to a 4-1 to lead. They followed that up with a 3-2 to horsemanship performance that gave them a nice, comfortable 7-3 to lead at the half. Now, in the second half, TCU started making the comeback. The Horn Frogs took equitation on the flat 3-2, to two, which made the score 9-6 uh, to six going into the final event, which is raining. Now, in raining, TCU took the first two points, so that made the score 9-8. Oklahoma State's still winning, but it's just a one-point uh, lead, and there's still three rides to go. Then, on that third from final ride, uh, the TCU rider, she got her score held up for review. All right. So they keep on going when they're doing that. They're going to check that, but they're going to let the girls keep going because they don't want to mess up the flow of the the meet. So in that next ride, uh, TCU took that point too. So that made the score 9-9, to but we still got that one ride that we don't know what it it is. 
So then we go into the final rider, which is also a TCU rider, and her score got held up for a review as well. So then everything stopped. We're at a 9-9 tie. Two rides are still being reviewed. Everybody's waiting. About 10 minutes go by, and then they let everybody know that, oh, uh, Oklahoma State got both those points and now has won 11-9. So that's how it ended up. Very close. Um... Uh, you know, TCU was the, uh, was the, you know, the hot pick. I had picked them, but I was wrong. The Cowgirls won that. Good job to them. Uh, that cements their spot behind Auburn in the national rankings, and it's going to send them into Waco as the number two overall seed. So speaking of rankings and seedings for the national tournament, uh, as you know, all season long, I have railed against the NCAA's rankings because, frankly, they deserve it. But there is uh, no real downside to them being wrong about those rankings because all it really affects is just how these sports information directors, um, you know, tout their team on social media. That's really the only big deal there. So it's not a huge deal if they screw up the rankings during the season. But these last ones are the ones they have to get right because that determines where everybody is seated in the national championship. But I'm about to tell you how they are going to botch this. Now, these uh, next rankings, like I said, are going to determine how everybody gets seated. And so I'm going to give you the Auburn Elvis rankings for the uh, post-conference tournament. And then I'm going to talk about how they're probably going to be different from the NCAA's rankings. Now, at number one is Auburn. They're the SEC champions. They are undefeated this whole season. And uh, there was only one meet, a road trip back in uh, November to Georgia, where the result was even uh, even close to in doubt. So they are my number one seed, and they will be the NCAA's number one seed as well. At number two is Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls lost their opening meet at TCU, but they have won every meet since, including the Big 12 tournament. Now, they have earned the overall number two seed, and uh, the NCAA is going to give it to them. Now, here is where the NCAA is going to mess everything up. At number three in the Auburn Elvis rankings are the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is the SEC runner-up. They have four quality wins on their resume. The only blemishes on their record are that one loss at South Carolina and then the habitual losses to Auburn, but everybody would have that. Now, that's important to remember because at number four in my rankings is SMU. The Mustangs have been very impressive lately. They won the ECAC championship, and they finished their season on a five-meet win streak. But we have to recognize that the bulk of the Mustangs' wins have come against ECAC opponents that are not in the same class of competition that Georgia has competed against the whole season. But as sure as the darn sun rises every morning, The NCAA is going to put SMU ahead of Georgia in their national rankings, and they don't deserve it. Now, why does this matter? Well, it matters because that means that instead of Georgia being on the Oklahoma State side of the bracket, they are now going to be on the Auburn side. And that is not good because Georgia is better than SMU. If those two teams played 10 times, Georgia would win nine times. And with seeding, Auburn should get the easier opponent, but they won't. They will get Georgia eventually. SMU will be on Oklahoma State's side of the bracket. This is a terrible mistake that they are going to make, and I, I just don't enjoy that. Now, continuing on. At number five in the Auburn Elvis rankings is TCU. 
The Horned Frogs finished a close runner-up to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament, and uh, they're number five in both mine and the NCAA rankings. This will probably match them up against uh, the misseeded Georgia in the uh, national championship tournament in that quarterfinal. And as I said, the winner of that will end up probably playing Auburn. At number six in my rankings is Texas A&M. Beating South Carolina for that third time in that consolation match helped them stay ahead of Baylor and Fresno State nationally. I expect that the NCAA will be very tempted to move A&M down a spot, but I think they're going to be so busy messing up the Georgia seed that they're going to forget to do the same thing to uh, the Aggies. So I think Texas A&M is likely going to uh, face off against the misseeded SMU Mustangs in their quarterfinal match, which, uh, if seeding fairness is not that important to you and you just want to see which, what is a good match, then you're probably actually happy about this because it means that you're not going to get another Georgia versus Texas A&M rematch, um, and so you'll get something new instead. So that's kind of the silver lining to the NCAA not getting the seeding right. Now, at number seven is Baylor. The Bears have a resounding victory over Fresno State in the Big 12 Constellation match that I am pretty sure the NCAA will completely ignore. At number eight in my rankings is Fresno State. The Bulldogs got exposed this weekend and don't seem to be nearly the darlings that they were three weeks ago. But that's not going to matter to the NCAA because they will almost certainly put Fresno State at number seven in their spot and make Baylor their number eight. Now, the effect of this mistake will be that Auburn's first opponent is going to be stronger than they should be. In that scenario, number one Auburn is going to face the Big 12 consolation winner, while number two Oklahoma State will face the Big 12 consolation match loser. And that is a pretty silly mistake to make. You're going to take the winner and give them to the number one, all, uh, number one overall seed, but you're going to take the loser and give them to the number two seed. So you're going to give the number two team an easier opponent than the number one team. And it just got decided in a tournament. Crazy. But they're going to do it. Uh, although I will say neither one of those teams has a realistic shot of beating Auburn. But it just bugs me when they get these rankings wrong. Because this one has ramifications. Now elsewhere um, in the single discipline teams, they have all uh, completed their seasons. So basically they're just waiting for the NCAA to announce the seed order for their national championship tournament. I'll go ahead and tell you what it's going to be. Uh, Sweetbriar is number one, then Lynchburg is number two, and then Wilson College is number three. So what that means is Lynchburg and Wilson will play in the semifinal for the right to go lose to Sweetbriar. Because basically the Vixens are the Auburn of the single discipline teams. So they're, they're really good. So as we wrap up the show here, I want to mention some things about my SEC tournament experience. First, the weather was a big issue. Uh, we had all those severe thunderstorms moving through the weekend. Uh, there was actually a point on Thursday where, where I was not sure that the tournament was going to happen, that they would get all those meets in. Uh, but Georgia did a very nice job hosting everybody. They had to make a lot of changes before Friday's semifinals that had the potential to be very chaotic. But the group there, they pulled it off in good form. Uh, the facility itself is very nice. It sprawls across this entire farm. And they got buildings and rings all over the place. 
And it really kind of gives it like a carnival feel that, you know, you're walking around this this farm, this little village, and all this stuff's going on. It was really neat. Um, I also like how their PA announcer, his booth is this big elevated covered platform, and so it's in the middle of everything, and they can see everything. And it's really cool, whereas over at Auburn, we kind of stick our PA announcer in like a metal shipping container somewhere, kind of hidden out of the way. And, you know, I think Auburn should maybe look at some options where we could improve that situation because I think they're doing it pretty well over at Georgia. Um, Another thing with Georgia is that with it being so spread out like that, it can be a little confusing for first timers to kind of know where they're supposed to go. And it would be really cool if they would put up some big signs that would say, hey, this is ring number one over here. This is ring number two over here. Or this is the uh, covered ring down this path over there. Um, You know, so they could definitely improve how they do things uh, with their their big old area over there. Um, But I will say that the parking and crowd control was very well organized. Um, you know, the bathrooms were good. The concessions were fine. They had the merch booths and, and those were cool. And and you, you had good views of the action in many, many different places. So you had lots of good options to watch what was going on. So uh, overall, I give it a good uh, positive score. It's, it's a really nice facility to go visit and watch some equestrian. Now, I do have some thoughts about their approach to granting media credentials to independent equestrian analysts. But I'm going to save those thoughts for an upcoming podcast where I'm going to bring in an expert on the subject and discuss it with them. But for now, I'm just going to say that uh, no matter what, Auburn Elvis finds a way. So we'll talk about that more in another episode. Uh, But And just like Auburn Elvis does, Auburn Equestrian has also found its way, and that way leads to an SEC championship. And boy, I'll tell you, it was really fun watching them get there. So that's all for this episode of War Horses. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to e2cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?